Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Leaf Report is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. All right, James, big edition of the Leaf Report. Uh, it's mid February. Um, we're like five weeks to the trade deadline, so we have a lot of trade stuff to get to. Uh, I, I haven't even asked you, how are you doing before we get into it? Good. I've been enjoying the Olympics. Have you been watching any of it? some of it um i find that like i never know what's on and when stuff is on so like that's that's kind of my <laughs> issue well get the cbc app it has every single it, it's great it like it, it broadcasts on on streams on like a whole you know whatever you want to watch it's got the schedule you can click a button and it shows you all the canadians that are it'll just show you the canadian schedule and the canadian streaming and I'm a big curling guy. I was talking to you about this on our, our Slack channel the other day. I've been watching a lot of the curling. Uh, Canada's potentially uh, going to win a couple medals there. Uh, heartbreaker in the in the mixed <laughs> in the mixed curling early on. Uh, and then I got the hockey on right now. Canada's playing uh, a do or die game against Sweden that they they lose and they're done. The U.S. was eliminated late last night, uh, like two in the morning by Slovakia. So be interesting if the underdog Canadian team, we got former Leafs, uh, well, former Leaf Dan Winnick and, and current Marley Josh Hosang are on the team. See, I wanted to watch that game and I had no idea it was on this morning, but. Well, get the app and then, and then you go, you look, you pick the sports you like and there's a little, like you can click a little button and it gives you a notification when the thing starts. Oh. So. All right. The, 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 the toughest thing is that all the best stuff is on at weird times with this Olympics. Like the the time difference is is brutal. The so the women's hockey gold medal game is tonight Wednesday night at eleven p.m. Wow! So wasn't that I, part I of the justification like back in twenty eighteen as to not going to the Olympics then for NHLers? What, what, yeah. Do I recall that right or no? Yeah, with that with the Korea Olympics, yeah they they said like no one's going to be able to watch this, and yeah, yeah. So. Big, big fail by the NHL. Big fail. Um, so, I actually did want to just say, the I watched a little bit of like Luge and Bobsled. That just seems like the most insane shit that that's something that people can do. <laughs> like, can you imagine going like 100 miles an hour on like some ice rink? Like, oh my God. There was, uh, they, they have this commercial about like uh, the training ground where Canada like trains athletes from one sport to play, to do different sports. And they had this, 
I'm going to get their name wrong. I think his last name's Everly. And he was a hockey player and he played like junior A and then he played for Dalhousie in the, in, in university hockey. And he became, when his, when his university hockey career, he went to this training ground and became a bobsledder. And he's like this huge guy. He's like six, five, like two ten, And all the, the power and strength he had from playing hockey, he puts into the, pushing the bobsled around. So it's, uh, I can't imagine doing that either. Like the speeds that they're going in that thing, you get like four guys in that little yeah. that little ice cream bucket and you're flying down. The, I mean, the people have died in those events, right? Like it's not. Well, do you want to know why uh, exactly? for the faint of heart. Yeah, that's, a, that's why it's really on my mind is there was a piece in the New York Times by your guy, John Branch. I know you're a big fan. And it was all about like the fear that a lot of these athletes go through at the Winter Olympics, especially because some of the, so many of the Winter Olympic sports are just like, like you could die, like some of the skiing, the snowboarding, the jumping, the anyway. Um, so that just like kind of blow, blew my mind a little bit. Did you see O Dog tweeted that he wanted to do the ski jump <laughs> before he <laughs> yeah. turns fi- before he turns fifty? And <laughs> my my comment was, I say he doesn't do it. That's There's just yeah. no. I I would I'll pay significant money to watch O Dog attempt that. But having watched him run the 200 meter, I don't know that it's a safe thing for him to do a ski jump. It's not a safe thing for a lot of us. Um, zero, zero, Canada, Sweden, end of the second. Well, by the time people listen to this, that that game will be over. So, But I can I can deliver some live reaction with... And, oh, and so Slovakia eliminated the US late last night, like I said, like two o'clock in the morning. And uh, Marty Marincin is one of the anchors of that Slovakian team that's now going to be playing for a medal. Should they bring him back? Is he the answer on right D? <laughs> oh, why not? Although he's why not have him as your, your your ninth defenseman? He played some right. Yeah, he did. Um, all right. So what we're going to do today, James, is we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Leafs recently. Uh, but we're going to spend a good chunk of the show sorting through some of the options that I've kind of come up with and wrote about for the athletic on D that they could potentially get. We're going to look at like some rentals. We're going to look at some term guys. Uh, and then we'll do questions in the pod bag as always. Um, but let's start with what's kind of happening recently. Uh, I'll give you three options as to where you want to start. We can talk about Hall and Muzzin. We can talk about Jack Campbell. We can talk about the Deveris line. We can talk about Mitch Marner's run. Uh, where do you want to start? Or the power play, whatever you want. You know what? Dealer's choice here. You pick wherever you want to go. All right. I think we need to start with with... Jake Muzz and Justin Hall, just because we are going to talk a lot about about the D. I'm I'm of two minds. Like Muzzin was out a while, obviously with a concussion. He comes back and it's like right away, right away, the same stuff just starts happening again with him and and Justin Hall. And by the end of that Seattle game, um, Sheldon Keefe has broken them up. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to make of this. I don't know because Hall had been playing better and playing pretty well with, with Rasmus Sandin. I don't know if this is like Muzzin comes off a long absence. He's a little rusty. Or if this pair is just like cursed. It's just never going to work. Like, I don't... What do you make of it? Like, I don't know... I don't know how much longer you can kind of keep running this thing out there and say, well, we hope it's going to work at some point. I, that's why I think that the Leafs have to explore all the options to bring someone else in because internally there's not a very, there's not an easy solution for, for this issue. Um, but I, they're, they're not going to be able to replace both of them. Right. So no. they, they need, they need, they need at least one of these guys to get it together in, in time for the stretch run in the playoffs. And, uh, 
we're we're kind of still waiting. I you know my money would be on Muzzin figuring it out, especially if you can kind of change who he's playing with. So it's interesting you say that because that was going to be my next question: is like who do you have more confidence in turning it around? Well, I just think that like we've seen Muzzin play so well in the past, right? Like he's been he's been such a good player that. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me that he's fallen off so dramatically just in such a short time frame because he was such a good player last year. He was. Since that point, there are more injuries. Uh, he, If he hasn't turned 33, he turns 33 sometime in February. I can't remember his birthday. Um, the, the, the only thing I would say to that is like the only one of the two who's had like a pretty good stretch is, is kind of a haul. Like, I guess you could say the stretch before Muzzin suffers a concussion, things are starting to kind of look a little better. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's worrying because, like, he's he's such an in- integral linchpin to what they do. And, like, I guess you're thinking if you're the front office, maybe if we get someone better than Hall that makes his life a little easier, this will look better. I guess that's the hope, right? Yeah, and I know we're going to talk about this later in the show, but... You know, you did a good job of pulling together a list of most of the potential options around the league that the Leafs could pursue. I mean, you went so far as you dug so deep as you included some guys that I don't think have any chance of getting traded. Um, Like, there's just not a lot of options for the Leafs to add. And I think even some of the potentially available options, the asking price is going to be so high that it might not even make sense for the Leafs. And and those players might not be better enough than what they have, and it's a tricky situation. Yeah, it's, it's it's really really tough. I was saying to you when we were watching the game the other day that you know Hall's just that's just such a difficult player to replace just because of the scarcity of of top four right defensemen around the league. Like most teams just don't want to let those guys go. Yeah, it's like I was like when when you were we were talking kind of through the story about some of those D and like you mentioned that with Hall and it just brought me like this flashback to like those years and years and years before they get TJ Brody where it's like they trade for Jake Muzzin and like I remember like Morgan Riley said something like his mom's like just does he play right defense it like it was so (laughs) it's it's such like an integral well don't you remember Babcock was like yeah this isn't this isn't what we needed (laughs) yes exactly basically this isn't gonna work basically wasn't that that was like the two days before he got fired? It was like the the morning skate in Vegas or something. No, and your your I, timeline that right? No, your timeline is wrong. That that was later. It was the season before. But basically, but they were in. Oh, I they, just remember being in Vegas and 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 Muzzin came in and no, yeah, you, you got wrong. your timeline that, wrong. It was in Detroit because it was January 2019, I believe. Um, and then Muzzin joins them. I think it's like early February in Detroit, and like right away. Babcock kind of shit on the whole thing. He's like, this isn't like, this isn't going to work. Like, this isn't, this guy can't play right defense. Like, I don't want to move Riley to the right. And they gave it eight games and that was the end of it. Right. So. I wonder why I think I was in Vegas when this was happening. Well, you were in Vegas (laughs) right before you got fired. That is true. It just wasn't when they traded for Jake Muzzin. Um, maybe it was like early. Maybe it was when they moved away from Riley being on the right side. I just distinctly remember Babcock talking about why how it wasn't working. Yeah, he yeah. hated it right from go. And then yeah. anyway, it has not. It did. He was right. Like Muzzin ended up not being the fit for that position. He was just a fit for a different position. Um, let's talk a little bit about something uh, different. We'll get to Tavares. We'll get to Campbell. Uh, 
I think this is the best Mitch Marner has played in the NHL. Uh, is that hyperbole? Is that just a reaction to the points, some of the goals, or or do you think that that's valid? I think that when he's been rolling, we've seen this Mitch Marner before. I think I think that this he's kind of in the pocket of of. I think this is in the conversation. I mean, I know that his production is the best we've seen it before, but I mean, he's been close to a hundred point player in the NHL before, and hundred point players have runs like this where they get two points a game for a stretch of games and. Um, this is the best he's looked in quite some time. You know, I would say maybe maybe early last season. Here's why where I would make the case. I don't think he's ever looked and again, like this this is definitely influenced by results. I've never seen him this like um like he's actually feels dangerous as a scorer now. And I don't know mm. even before like last year he was on like a 30 goal pace. I don't know that he ever felt like dangerous as a scorer. It always did feel like he would shoot like if if like he exhausted every other option. Now it's like there's a lot of instances, including on the power player, where it's like he's trying, like that's his first thought, I'm going to try to score. And then you add in that, that he's still an unbelievable passer. I think on the penalty kill, he's he's become even more dangerous. He looks like and feels really confident. I, I just think like it's kind of like he's 24, he's going to be 25 in May. It's almost like this is like he's reaching his peak powers. To me, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I mean, Matthews has looked like that for most of the season, say yeah. for the first like seven games or five or whenever, whenever he was coming off the injury. And yeah, no, I think that that's fair. I mean, the Leafs have not; they've played like some weak opponents, and yes. et cetera. But I mean, the the thing that this hammers home is that Marner's a fantastic offensive player. Like he's one of the most gifted offensive players in the league, and that should have never really been disputed but there's just with what happened in the playoffs last year with his slow tar- start to the season there was like a, a lot of noise around Mitch Marner and um you know and I think that that's going to continue they they really need him to be this Mitch Marner in the playoffs like they need him to blow up a couple of games and really produce in a big way I mean the team's built around him being able to do that and you know, the stage is really going to be set for the Leafs, whether they get Florida or Tampa or Boston in the first round where all eyes are going to be on on Marner and Matthews to to carry them to the second round. If they get this Mitch Marner in the playoffs, their chances of, of advancing. They need it. Yeah, they need it. Well, that's exactly. They need it. They need it and that's that's why they pay him what they do. That's why they pay Matthews what they do. Tavares, Neander, like... That's that's the deal. Like you're the star. He should be able to do it. Well, I mean, he's he done it before. Do- like there, there's this. I I get it. There's a perception that he is perennially disappointing in the playoffs. But like he has performed yeah, really well in the past. Like you go to that when yeah when he was on the third line and playing like sheltered. No, like, I don't know that that. If you go if you go back to that that Boston series that he played in, wasn't he? He was still playing with uh, JVR on like the third line. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. He was a young player and he was awesome, they need him though. to produce they need him to produce when he's one of the best players. He's one of the I don't know. I mean, you could he's he's one of the 10 most gifted offensive players in, in the world. So they they need him to look like that in a playoff series and he he hasn't done that yet. No, so I think you're actually wrong. I think it was he was also good in 19 when he was playing with Tavares and then he was playing with Do I have that right? Yeah, I think he was good in 19 as well. It was 18 that he had that really crazy series. Let's see, 19, James. Okay, yeah, no, I'm wrong. 19, he only had four points in seven games. It was 18 that I'm thinking about, which you're right. He was third line. Um, 
let's talk a bit about the Tavares line. I think it's really interesting what's been going on. Uh, you and I have talked about the line and like what they should do. Keefe has like been really dug in on keeping Kerfoot there. Um, I kind of feel like that's like, I don't know, like he, he, Kerfoot's almost like become like one of his like guys, like Mike Babcock had his guys and like Kerfoot really feels like one of his guys. And it's like, he doesn't want to, it doesn't, it feels like he doesn't want to quit that. And yet I actually think Jonas that he really likes what the third line is giving them and really likes the kind of the chemistry and what they've got there with Kasha Kampf and, uh, and often it's, it's Mikheyev or Engvall. So what's, I don't think he, I don't think he wants to put Kerfoot there and he doesn't really want to put him on the fourth line. So what's interesting about that is I haven't checked today, but for the most part, like the numbers for Mikheyev, Kampf and Kasha are not great. And I don't, I mm-hmm. think honestly, and I think this is one of the interesting parts about the roster. I think that the third line is best when Engvall's on it. The problem is like that creates like, where do you put the other guys? Like, I uh, honestly think the best configuration that we've seen for that third line is like some combination of Engvall, Kampf, and one of Mikheyev and Kasha. But I, I don't know what yeah. you do with that. They haven't been fully healthy a lot. So we haven't seen these the this configuration a lot this season yeah so i think that that that's part of it like the sample size for the lines like this isn't great um but i do think you're right you, and you'd I, yeah go ahead Sorry. you'd almost like to like put like kerfoot or mckay maybe on that fourth line just to give it something because it's it's kind of just hasn't really done a whole lot for quite a long period of time here now no that's true and the, that line has been better generally when when engpal has been on it than when he's not um, but I, I think what's interesting about it is I, I think you kind of want to see all your different options on that second line, like a third guy to play with Tavares and, and Neander before you like consider, okay, like, do we actually have to go get someone? You know what I mean? Like, I, mm-hmm. I feel like you should give Micaiah, I, I think you're right. I think that that is part of the reason why he hasn't done it is I, I think he's mentioned it. Like, He's liked how Mikheyev has fit in with camp. Like Mikheyev has had been in this really like this groove. But if 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 you actually need someone to play there, shouldn't you see if Mikheyev fits there? Shouldn't you see if Kasha fits there before you're like maybe we actually need someone better? You know what I mean? Like you've brought up JT Miller before. Like shouldn't you actually see what it looks like with everything you have internally before you try? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to spoiler our own show, but the reality is they might not be able to find people might be yelling at their, their podcast device. After I say this, they might not be able to find the defenseman that they would like to find. I think is, is the reality. They might end up in a situation where all they can add is a a depth defenseman. So then the question is, do you go at a forward as well? Yes. And I think that's a really interesting question. I think, I mean, if you if you acquire a depth defenseman, it's conceivable that you could find a way to add an impact forward. Um, I looked it up, James, while you were talking, by the way. Kampf, Kasha, Mikheyev have played like 53 minutes together, which isn't very much, obviously. 37% expected goals. So, not good. Okay, let's move on. Um, Jack Campbell wins the game in Seattle. Uh, Peter Morazic doesn't win the game in Vancouver, but like he gets Thatcher Demko. I didn't, I don't think he was very good. Um, 
Yeah, Morazic's been very okay. Scattered. Well, this is like his his reputation, right? Like he's sometimes he looks really good, and sometimes like he's he's had some really good seasons in the past. What uh, good ish? Probably probably a season where you're like you're injured and don't play as much. It's it's not gonna you're not gonna. So he's played nine games. He's at an eight ninety nine save percentage, and he's six and three. They need him to to play more and and play better down the stretch here. So what is like? If you're in that front office, you're on the coaching staff, out of 10, what's your concern level with the goaltending, like, right now and looking ahead? I just, I think it's too early to get really concerned, so I would say my concern level is still relatively low. Like a three? I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm still down around three, three and a half. Yeah, and I think that there's time for, you know, I thought Campbell played pretty well against Seattle. I think that there's time for Mrazek to play more and get more comfortable and play better. And I think that there's time for Campbell to turn it around. It wasn't realistic to think Campbell was going to be a 930 goalie all year. He was going to have one of these dips. I'd rather he have it now and figure it out as opposed to in April. Well, I feel like I was guilty of overreacting to his his start and just assuming that this this competition or whatever you want to call it was done. I kind of don't feel that way anymore. And, and obviously, that's influenced by... The recent, it's it's not even all that recent. Like this is a stretch that's been going on for a while, but I, I kind of feel like it'll end up just being whoever's playing best by the end of the season is going to be playing to start the playoffs. Is that wrong or like? Well, I mean, I think total body of work is. I know, I know, Campbell's numbers have slid in a big way, but he still has a nine twenty one save percentage on the season. He still went to the was a deserved player to go to the All Star game. He yeah. still is having a pretty good season. So. Uh, I think Mrazic would have to be really, really good over the next two months in order to to be the starter in the first game of the playoffs. Yeah, I guess ideally for them, you're hoping both guys just play well and you start with Jack and like you hope he's just your guy. And if he, I guess that, I mean, that's why you, you get, that's why you pay Mrazic 3.8 times three is like, just in case Campbell isn't what you thought or slides or gets hurt, you know, like that's the point of this whole deal. It is zero zero Canada Sweden with ten minutes left in the game. A, what a barn burner here! All right, that's a good segue into the start of it our. Is? Yeah, because it kind of like it's like a palate cleanser. It's like when you have the the is it ginger when uh, when you're eating sushi? No, it's not. Yeah, it is yes. ginger. Yeah, we don't. I don't think you eat the ginger though. You do. Yeah, you're supposed to eat it between uh, like bites to kind of plen- cleanse your palate. I, oh, I, I eat it at I the just, end. I, d- I like the wasabi. Yeah, the fake wasabi. Why is it fake? Because apparently real wasabi is like very hard to get and expensive and they just use like, oh, they, okay. you get base. I think you get like horseradish with like green food coloring a lot of the time. Well, it looks like silly putty or something this time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so let's start going through some of the potential trade targets on D. So what we're going to do is we're going to go in three chunks uh, rentals, term guys, and we'll start with the guys who are more or less like we think not going to be available. Uh, so let's start with Scott Mayfield. He was, he's kind of been a popular name in like the internets. Um, how do you think he would fit? Do you think the Islanders would trade him or is it just like no go? I don't know why the Islanders would like, if you're the Islanders, you're, you're still, yeah, they had a shit year this year and they're not going to make the playoffs but i think you're thinking next year we're going to bounce back and i mean just like we know the way the lou lamorello thinks right like he's not gonna 
he's not going to start tearing that roster apart. He's going to think we had a down year. We're going to roll back the pieces that did work and try and complement them and take another run at things next year when we have, you know, maybe a little bit better health and, and, and Mayfield makes 1.4, I believe uh, for one more year, he's played 20 minutes a game for them. I don't know why they would trade him to be honest. And he seems like a kind of player that the Islanders are going to want to like keep and resign and, and make a part of the core of their, of their blue line. Yes, but I mean, like, it's not like he's young. Like, he's 29. Like, he's he's been around. When has that stopped Lou Lamorello before? <laughs> That's true. Okay, well, here's here's one other justification that I could make. So, he is... They got Chara on their blue line, Jonas. Yeah, but so he is... A, he, he will be uh, a UFA after next season. Um, They're two young... Like, well, they got three really young studs. So, Pelic's obviously on their top pair... Dobson's on their second pair, and Pulak is on their third pair. Now they paid him forever; like he's making a lot of a lot of cheddar. So in theory, Dobson's been really good too. Yeah. I just picked him up in my pool. He's he, like he's really been he, producing. He's, he's good on a team that doesn't score a lot. He's good. So like the only thing I could say is like maybe you want to kind of open it up a little bit to promote those guys. And I don't know, I don't know if that actually even makes sense, but it's not like, it's not like ideal in terms of how your team is structured to have it work out that way. I guess it doesn't really matter if Mayfield's on the third pair or the first pair, like if your D is good, it doesn't matter, but that's a justification I could come up with. Yeah. Well, I just, I know the Islanders are really tight with the cap and they've like had, they've had a hard time like fitting pieces in. So if they have a guy that can play in their top 4D for 1.4 million, then it just feels like. But does it matter if you have a not, guy in your third pair making 6.1? Well, what, what kind of minutes? I, I mean, you're, you're testing me on, I haven't watched a lot of the Islanders yeah, this year. They've been, they've been pretty, they've been pretty boring when I have to. They are the like most just, boring. They're not scoring a lot. And, you know, it feels like you, you know. Well, oh, to your Sweden, point, to your point. Sweden score, Jonas. Look out. To your point, uh, Pulak plays almost 22 minutes on Tuesday night. So, maybe. I mean, he's been he's been hurt. Like, he's missed a lot of the season. I don't know that Pulak is going to be – I mean, he's a good player. Yeah, he you is. Know, I don't think he's – But that's what I'm saying. Like, be, you uh, want him – maybe you want him playing on your top pair with Pulak. Anyway, this is too much of an Islanders deep dive. Let's move on to the next guy. Artem Zub. Well, they, they, I think what I would say, though, Jonas, is you're right, is that the Islanders are one of the only teams in the league that have, like, three guys who are right-shot D yeah. who, they feel pretty, who they feel pretty good about. Sure. It's great luxury. But if, if, if they are going to trade one of them, I think you're looking at, like, a huge price tag coming back the other way. And then the debate, you know, and I, we're going to talk about – you're going to talk about someone else, but, you know. Anyway, okay, let's go. Let's move on. I, I can I can make my point when we get to the, some of the other D. Okay, let's go to Artem Zub. He is a Senators defenseman. He's twenty six. He makes two and a half on the cap for this year and next. I really like him. Like I, I spent some time watching him. Um, he he kind of just is like a better version of Zaitsev. Like he's more composed. He's he's really good. Uh, he would fit what the Leafs need for this year, for next. It just doesn't seem like there's any reason for Ottawa to trade him. But like, like if I was Ottawa, I'm, I might think about it just in terms of like asset management. Like if we can get something else and like, um, maybe we don't want to pay him five or whatever the hell it's going to take on his next contract. 
But I just don't think that they're that forward thinking, nor you could make the case is it a good idea to trade a good defenseman who's that young. Well, I saw him on your list. So then I sent a message right away to Ian Mendez, who covers the Senators for us at The Athletic. And he's like, there's, there's no chance they're trading him. So uh, it's nice to have, you know, kind of these... I mean, maybe when he, maybe he doesn't want to stay in Ottawa and he, he goes UFA after next season and that becomes an option for Toronto. But yeah. the Senators are similar to the Islanders where they did not have a very good season. They had higher expectations. They don't want to take a step back next year. They're not going to want to subtract pieces. They don't feel like they're rebuilding. They're going to they're gonna want to add. They're not going to want to get worse. So, you know, a guy who's been a, a solid top 4D for them is, is not going to be someone that they're going to move. And... You know, the teams around the league are looking at their defense. They're like, boy, it's hard to find these these right shot guys that can play 20 plus minutes a game. And if you have one and you trade one away, how are you going to replace them? That, that That's really the challenge. Well, so obviously it would have to be more than this. But like, would, is there any argument to like, if you're Ottawa and the Leafs were like, we'll give you Lilligren and other good stuff. And now you've got Lilgren under control for a while. Like, he'll be an RFA this summer. He's a lot younger. Yeah, I just don't think that that's the way that a lot of teams are thinking, right? Like, I don't think Ottawa's thinking, Yeah, you know, it's going to make us better in two or three years. I think they're thinking, like, they want to be better next year. I thought the rebuild was over there. Didn't they? Didn't Pierre Dorian say Well, exactly. I mean, so, it's you, over. Know, you look at the you look at the situation, there's tons of pressure on the on the GM and... Is there, you know, didn't gonna, he just get an extension? Like, it doesn't feel like they know trade, what they're doing. They're not going to trade an established defenseman for a young defenseman still establishing himself. Like, that's just, that's just not going to be what they do. All right. Uh, do you want to take a break before we get to the rentals or do you want to start dipping our toes into the rentals? Yeah, I think it's, it's time for, for a breaky. All right. We'll be right back with the rentals and the term guys. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, James, rental time. Rentals, rentals, rentals. Mark Pissick, what do you think? So he is 30. He plays for the Sabres. He makes 900K. Uh, he's not going to play on your second pair, but like as a third pair guy, he kind of makes some sense. Like I, I've watched him a bunch. I like him. Like I, I think he, if, if they can't get one of these other guys that we're going to talk about, he feels like a, a decent fallback. Yeah, the, my only question with him is is who are you sitting to play him? Like, who do you like him over? He's fine, Lilligren. He's not. So you're gonna and you're Dermot. gonna bench in the in the playoffs. You're gonna sit Lilligren and Dermot and play Pissick. Mm-hmm. 
you know, when, when Pissick's been on good teams in the recent past, like he played for Florida a couple years ago, he played for Dallas last year. He was really like a seventh defenseman, yes. you know, and you know, Buffalo, yeah, he's going to play more minutes, but you know, he, you know, he was even playing forward there a bunch yep. when he was with, when he was with the Panthers. Right. So he's, he's a solid player. Uh, I guess the question is, I, I think that I've thought a lot about this and, and I know we're going to have a piece, I think coming out on Friday on the athletic kind of debating what, what they should do at the deadline, but we can talk about it here. And I think the Leafs shouldn't do what they did last year where they bring in these guys that like are debatable whether or not they're going to play. Like the Leafs gave up a bunch of draft capital capital for depth that was so far down the depth chart that it didn't even get in the lineup. And it's fair. You, I think you got to be, I think if the Leafs had an injury, I would feel better about acquiring someone like Pissick. Like if, if one of their right shot D wasn't able to play, but I think that maybe, some of the other options you had, I liked a little bit better than him. You know what it is, James? It's like you you look at what's happened in the playoffs for them, um, whether it's an injury, it's poor performance. It, it it it's nice to at least have the option of like, okay, we don't have to play Dermot if he's struggling, or last year Sandine if he's struggling, or Lilligren. I guess like part of it is like, do you trust if you don't make any moves like this? Do you trust Lilligren or Dermot to play in the playoffs? And I don't know. Do you? I'm more worried about the second pair than the third. Like I, I think I think the Leafs are okay on the third pair, especially if you can get someone to bump Hall down, and then you're looking at. I mean, Sandine Hall is a very good third pair. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's move to the next guy on the list. Another Buffalo Sabre. Uh, his name is Colin Miller. He's 29. He makes a lot. Three point eight. On the cap, uh, he's of course expiring. This is the last year of that contract. Yeah, right? he's expiring. Yeah, um, yeah. So obviously, any scenario trading for him, Buffalo is going to have to retain like a whole bunch. Otherwise, like I don't really see the point. The big attraction, James, of course, beyond anything else, beyond the fact that he plays right defense, he's from Sault Ste. Marie, and he played for the Greyhounds when Dubas and Keefe were there. Done. Bring him yeah, in. He, he's a, he's another guy who's a real solid player. I don't know that I would want him in the top four, but no. it's not entirely out of the question that you could test him out there a little bit, but he'd be really good on the third pair. I guess the question is, do you want to dedicate, what's that going to be? One, if, if Buffalo retains half, do you want to dedicate $1.9 in space? And I think the thing with him is that in terms of trade assets, it's probably not going to be like a huge ask. Like you're probably not going to have to give up. Like maybe it's like a third round pick or or something like that. Like it's not going to be, you know, some of the other names that I know are on your list are, you're going to have to give up a whole lot more to get them. And, you know, maybe the Leafs just decide they don't want to give up a huge asset to, to add a defenseman who might only play in the third pair. Well, that's a good segue to the next defenseman on the list. Ben Sherratt, who is 30, plays for the Habs. Three and a half million dollar cap hit. You're going to pay so so much more for Sherratt, for example, than you would for Colin Miller. And it's like, is he is he better? Is he better than Hall? Um, do you have any like? Do you think they should try to trade for Ben Sherratt, or should they just cross him off because he's going to be way overvalued? He's a left shot who can play on the right side, Correct. and they they want to get a first round pick for him, right? Is what I heard. So. I don't want to give up a first round pick for Ben Sherrod. I would rather just go with one of these less heralded guys. Um, 
Now, you know, the the people that are going to argue for Sherrod are going to be, he's, he's really big, he's physical, he adds an element that the Leafs don't have on their blue line, especially with Muzzin struggling. Uh, but first round pick for just to add a different element feels a lot like last year's trade deadline, which I don't really want to, I, I wouldn't go down that path again this year. So I, I, I think you're right. I do also think, and I don't have anything like numbers to back this up, but it does feel like you those kinds of defensemen, I don't know, can be more valuable in the playoffs. Or is that just yeah, like well, narrative-y? Like, I don't know. Like, there's something I, I wouldn't trade for him. Like, I don't, I, I, I think there are better guys. Well, the who, game does get more claustrophobic. Yeah, that's <laughs> a good playoffs. word for it. Like, yeah. It does get like it does get tighter. Yes. So And you look at some of the teams that have won and like the way their defense is building, it's like they've got a lot of like monsters, like just big, rough physical dudes. And it's like Well, Tamp Tampa's D is really long, right? Like they take up a lot of ice. And really good. <laughs> long and good. So no we're both kind of a no on Sherrod. This guy I really like, James. I feel like I'm becoming the president of this guy's fan club. His name is Justin Braun. He is old. He's 35. Uh, he plays in Philly. He's played most of the season on their top pair with Provorov. $1.8 million cap hit. Really good defensively. Used to like check top lines like every night in San Jose with Mark Edward Velasic. He's he's obviously older now, but he's still really good. And I kind of think he would make sense as like, we can try him on our second pair and see if that works, see if he fits with Muzzin. And if not, like he'd be a really good third pair defenseman. I, I like the idea of Justin Braun. Yeah. I think that if there's, if they strike out on trying to find someone to play for sure in the top four, that someone like Braun makes a lot of sense because acquisition costs is going to be very high. The cap hit is not going to be very high. You get the flyers to retain half. Uh, you're bringing him in towards a trade deadline. You're only paying, 20% of half of his contract. So 20% of $900,000, he's only going to cost you 180 k on the cap. That leaves you some flexibility to still add something up front, which is an interesting proposition. But you're still adding an NHL defenseman who can slide in on one of your pairs. And, you know, you know, like maybe you end up with uh, Sandine playing with Braun or maybe you try Braun with Muzzin and see what that looks like Yeah, uh, towards the end of the regular season. Uh, I, I like it. I, I like it just because it, it gives you some flexibility to do some other things and, and you're not giving up one of your top prospects to make it happen. So a very wise little birdie told me this morning after the piece was published that there that there is apparently a lot of interest in Justin Braun and that <laughs> this is where it gets like dicey. It's like suddenly a lot of teams are probably looking at him being like, man, he's cheap. He's He's good that the cost might end up being too high. Like if it, if he's costing you a second round pick. I mean, fuck, what's a second round like I don't know. I I well, when you're in this I, mode I like, do it as opposed to do nothing, right? Yes, like, exactly. Like if it's that if that's what the price is, like that's what the price is. Like I I was thinking more like this he's going to cost you a fourth round pick and it's like pfft, done. But maybe it'll cost yeah. more. So, we'll yeah. see. Yeah. And I, I think that I, I that uh, while I know people want them the Leafs to get like a sexy name like a Klingberg or whatever, who maybe we'll talk about here in a second. Next, uh, it um, well we can just segue like right there, but like 
It just might not be worth the acquisition cost. Okay, so for a rental. So Klingberg is the next name on the list. He's 29, $4.25 million cap hit. Um you wrote about him a while back with Saad in uh Dallas. I've kind of come around to the idea of trading for him, except what you just mentioned. Like if the choice is let's say third round pick for Braun or Nick Robertson first round pick. Uh, Klingberg's probably first round pick and a decent prospect, like one of the Leafs' top five or six prospects. But so let's talk that out, James. Like his upside is way higher than Braun. So can you make a case that it's actually just worth it to just get the better defenseman who like can be way more impactful or is it not worth it for all that stuff? It's tough. Like this is Uh, like, this is the conversation that you would have to have in their front office is like, What's worth it when you're in cup mode? Like, how much is too much? I don't think the Leafs are looking super seriously at, at that. Um, Klingberg's kind of declined. Yep. Uh, as he's approached, I think he's 29, right? He's, as he's approached 30. They're not going to be able to re-sign him. Nope. Nor would they probably there's gonna be want some to, other, right? The, no, there's going to be some other team that is going to be willing to trade a lot because they're going to extend him and keep him probably is, is my guess. Um, so, as a pure rental... And the other thing, too, is that the Leafs need someone to play with Muzzin who can play against other teams' top lines, and that's just not what Klingberg is. So I think that you would have to think about reconfiguring your D and maybe go like Riley, Klingberg, and 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 Muzzin and Brody as, as more of like a – I don't know. And I don't know that you want to do that given how well Riley and Brody have played together. So it's some of it's just like a fit thing. But, you know, if there's a scenario where the bidding for Klingberg isn't as high as – we're anticipating and Dallas isn't finding a lot of suitors, then maybe you like, you know what? Like the acquisition cost isn't that high. Maybe we are more interested than we thought. I think that makes sense. Um, the next guy on the list is Josh Manson. He's long been rumored to be of interest to the Leafs. The Leafs were looking at Manson Jonas back when Babcock was the coach and Lamorella was the GM. Cool. They were looking really like it's been, they've been looking at him for almost five years. Well, and at that point he would have had, lots of term left on his contract which he does not have anymore 4.1 million dollar cap hit he's expiring of course because we're in the rental section um he fits in terms of like we're at blockbuster yeah he fits in terms of like what you were talking about a little bit with Sherat, where he brings something that they just don't have like he's very physical he's got some of like that nastiness i just worry a little bit about age and injuries and like are you well, getting him at the wrong time? But like you're, you only need him for this year, and after that, you can probably he's, say goodbye. He's had a pretty good season too, you know, like the games I've watched and like the underlying numbers and whatever. And you know, Anaheim's starting to kind of fall out of the playoff picture a little bit there. So, it, I mean, it's it's real tight for those last couple of spots. So, you know, for them, they're going to have to evaluate whether they want to they want to sell or not. It's, it's going to be a big piece of it. And they might want to uh, sign him. Like that's apparently something that they would consider as well. So yeah, yeah, I like Manson a lot. I like him a lot. I think that he fits more what the Leafs need. I think I could see him play really well with Muzzin. Um, I don't know what the acquisition cost looks like. I don't know. I for me, the biggest question mark with Manson is actually if the Ducks are going to sell or not. Yeah, try to get in. Uh oh, Sweden scored again. It's over. Canada is on the verge of being eliminated 
from the men's hockey tournament at the Olympics. And I wonder how many of our listeners even watched any of this tournament. Have you watched any of Canada play? Oh, it was an empty netter. A little bit. Again, the times really fuck with you. The early goalie pull. Well, you can't watch a hockey game at nine o'clock in the morning? No, that's like when I like to work most. Oh man, I'm a morning. That's when I like to. That's when I like to work least. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, So those are the rentals Um, of all those guys. um, Your highest, I guess, on Manson and Braun. Yeah, I like Manson. I like Manson. Yeah. Okay. I I would. I would at least be like in the conversations on Manson. And from what I can tell, that the Leafs are really they like they like that idea. Would you give up a first round pick for Manson? Maybe. Okay. I would think about it. Yeah. All right. I mean, I know... How many games has he played this year? Like, he's been hurt, right? Yeah, and he's hurt right now. And he's had a lot of injuries the last couple of years. That's... that's Yeah, that's part he's of what's He's a guy scary. you could think about potentially extending, too. You know, he's not that old. I, I would be careful about that. Like, he's 30 now. He'll be 31 in, in October. You mentioned mm-hmm. the injuries. The injuries are starting to be a thing. Like, last year, he played 23 games. The year before that, 50... He was pretty no, he's healthy. Forty three games. Yeah. And he's only playing he's not even playing twenty minutes a game. Yeah. He gets uh two seconds of power play time a game, I have learned here. Nice. All right. Uh next name. So these <laughs> so we're gonna get into some of the guys with some term on their contracts. This name has kind of just been popular just to talk about. I, I don't really think it makes sense. Um Luke Shen, he's thirty two now, Jesus. Uh, he's got one more year after this one at 850k on the cap. Do you see any reason for trading for Luke Shen? All we are is dust in the wind, Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, if he, if it's gonna, it, Vancouver really likes him. Yeah. And, and I mean, the thing, the thing with Shen is he's got term, right? So you got to figure out if he fits into your picture. If he was a rental, I think it makes a little bit more sense. With the term, I'm not so sure that. There's going to be a spot for him on the on the blue line next year. I think. I think. Well, I mean, what's going to be interesting is if they trade Muzzin, right? And then the Leafs D could look a lot different next season. Yes, and we'll get to that with some of the other names we're going to discuss here. Not really this one. Well, I guess we could. So Dylan DeMello is 28. He plays for the Jets. He's got two more years after this one at three million on the cap. Uh, the Jets have like a ton of defensemen signed for the long term, including DeMello. They've not had a good year. Um, the one thing with him, like I, I think he fits in in theory. The one thing, like he just hasn't really done what they need before for any like sustained period of time. Like he's only averaged twenty minutes a game once in his career. There is like you're you're buying some some upside, a little bit of upside, and you're getting some term. Does he fit for you at all? He's one of those guys that had, had like just really great analytical profile, right? When he was playing a lot, kind of on the third pair. Um, you know, and then he goes to Ottawa, goes to Winnipeg, and, you know, it just seems like co- some coaches don't buy him as a top four option. So, the question for the Leafs is, do they? Like, do they think he can play in their top four? Do they think he's someone that... I mean, he's probably... He's an upgrade overhaul, right? Yeah. So... I think so. But again, you know, with two more years on the deal, and the the way that, that the cap structure for defense is now around the league with the flat cap is... A lot of teams just don't want to pay their third pair D or anything. Like it's either guys on entry level contracts or guys that are making under a million bucks or mm-hmm. um so you you gotta be pretty sure that if you're paying someone three million like DeMello that he's he's playing in your top four. Okay, so that's that's a good segue to the last two guys on the list. Um let's start with Adam Larson. He's twenty nine. He has three more seasons after this one at four million on the cap. 
here's what I like about Larson. You you trade for him. And and part of the, the question is like, what are you going to have to trade for him? Because he is signed for so long. Seattle immediately extended him for four years or signed him for four years after they picked What's him in exchange. What's Four million? Four million. Four and a half? No, it's four million for three okay. more seasons. The Why I like this is like, you trade for him and like, that's it. Like you've got your your right side of your top four for the foreseeable future. I think if you trade for him, the conversation about trading Muzzin makes more sense because you can en- envision a, a second Sandy pair. Larson. Sandy Larson, I think would be a really nice pair. Uh, I guess it's just like he's probably- I have some good puns. I could use Larceny. Nice. Uh-huh. That's pretty good. Every time he prevents a goal. And I think James, like if you're going to have to trade- something substantial for one of these rentals why not just trade a little more and get a guy who's locked up do you see it i guess the question the question is does seattle want to move on from him what is their configuration on their d look like how do you feel about so much term on the contract i i've actually i've liked larson for a while and you know when there was talk about him being he's been a guy that i've kind of had my eye on for the leafs for a long long time like going back to Going back to when potentially it, it looked like Edmonton might move him a couple of years ago, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, he's he's not he's not flashy. He's not good offensively. He's real solid defensively and, you know, can kind of just lock it down and, and move the puck to the skilled forwards. And I, I think he's, he's real solid. The question for me is, is Seattle interested in trading him? We don't know that. And what would the, uh, what would the acquisition cost be? And you got to think about what what does your blue line look like after this season. But again, I mean, you could if you can fit him in, you could think about that. You know, you can think about that in the off season. Yeah, I guess the part of the consideration for Seattle is their top pair right now is is Giordano and Larson. Giordano's a free agent after this year. Well, he's going to be he's going to be a deadline guy that goes for sure. And like I I, I spent some time thinking like could the Leafs trade for him? It's like it, nah, I don't, I don't really think it makes sense. I don't, I couldn't figure out how you do it. Like you get the Giordano Brody connection back together, but. Mm. It, it doesn't work. I guess. Then who does who does Riley and Muzzin play? Exactly. With? And I guess like James, like just this is just off the top of my head. Like it's like, could you send Muzzin back to to Seattle in some sort of trade for Larson? I don't know. I guess. I mean, I think oh, Muzzin has going. Like, no. You're going galaxy me. brain here. Yeah, I'm going a little too deep. M- Muzzin for Giordano and Larson. No, I, I just meant for Larson. Um, and Jared McCann and Jared McCann. Yeah. Just, just get the whole band wow. back together. I don't know how Pritam's going to fit that. on. The <laughs> All right. Last name on the list. And then we'll take a break and get to the pod bag. This is a guy I think fits the best. Uh, it's Damon Severson devil's defenseman. He's 27. So he's not that old. One more season after this one at 4.16 million on the cap. Um, how does Damon Severson strike you? He's a good player. Yeah. Uh, I think, again, like it's a situation where and, and people are going to look at the standings and be like, well, you know, the, the Devils are in cell mode and whatever. But, I mean, it's it's a team that's been bad for a long, long stretch that really wants to take a step. And if they trade Severson, it's going to make that harder for them to take a step next year. He's been a big part of – he's been a huge part of their team. He plays a lot of minutes. He's a good player. And I think that you're not going to get him out of there with just – you know, I, I saw, I read, I read some, someone was proposing, I think it was like a fan, something, I can't remember if it was on social media or where it was, but that trade Timothy Logren for Severson. Like if you're in New Jersey, why are you doing yeah, that? Like you're not, not going to do that. Well, James, like I, no. I, I thought the, the 
the the framework for the muzzin trade would make sense. Like that's what I would ask for if I was New Jersey. And obviously the muzzin trade was a first round pick, a, a good prospect, not a great prospect, and like a ready-made NHL player. So the example I gave was a first, a prospect like Abruzzi and Lilligren. And like I mean would on either side would you say yes if you're the Leafs, would you say no if you're the Leafs, would you say yes if you're the Devils or no if you're the Devils? Something like that. Run it by me. Run it by me one more time. Like First, Abruzzi's, yeah, in twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three, Abruzzi and Lilligren. I just look at what the Devils have on their blue line, and it's like, well, they've got Dougie Hamilton as like their linchpin. Ty Smith is good. I like Ty Smith. Yeah. So, so then you get in. Then you get into like, is is Smith playing on the right side this year? I think he plays both. Actually, he's a left shot. I mean, the question is, can you replace Severson internally? And I mean, a lot of this comes down to, are these guys going to be available or not? I don't think it's completely out of the question that Severson would get traded, but I just think it's going to be like a huge haul. And I don't know, I don't know that it would just be futures that, that New Jersey would want. Like, like I said, they want to be good next year. Well, you know? like Logan is an NHL defenseman. Like, I don't think... I guess it depends on how good you think Logan is. What I what I did mention in the story, James, that I like also about Severson. I think like you mentioned re-signing Manson. I think re-signing uh, Severson would make a lot of sense. Like he's not old, mm. and I yeah, I, like I could. He's playing like twenty four minutes a game right now, and I know yeah some of those games that the Devils played against the Leafs, he made a couple mistakes defensively, and that that made some fans nervous. Like he's not the best defensive defenseman in the world, but he's good with the puck and. He's not. He's not terrible defensively. No, I think he's. I think he's a good fit. Uh, the only other names I threw into the honorable mention: Jeff Petrie has like three more years at six point two. His contract's nasty. I, uh, Petrie's been a really good player for a long time, and he wants out of Montreal. But that that contract is is ugly. Well, and apparently Montreal does not want to retain salary in trading him. So good luck with that. Um. Hampus Lindholm is a is a pending UFA. He plays left. So unless you're going crazy and doing something else, he doesn't really make sense. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk's got two more years left. I think at three point something. I don't really think he fits you. No, just like style of play. He's not yeah. the right kind of uh, right kind of player. Calvin DeHaan is a left shot expiring in Chicago. And then a guy who was rumored to the Leafs forever, Travis Hamanick, who has another year left, I think, at $3 million. I just, I don't see that. You? No, that was a bad, that was a bad signing. Yeah. But, yeah, that, I mean, he spent some time in the AHL this year. Yeah. All right. That was fun. So, I, it, it is a reminder that it's really hard to find those kinds of defensemen. And, like, if you do find those kinds of defensemen, you're going to have to, like, pay a lot. Yeah, I kind of think Jonas. If it's not Manson, then you're just like looking more at kind of like a more of a depth guy who's kind of like a four, five, six. Ronnie. Who in an I, yeah, something like you know, I I I think at this point the Leafs might not be able to add a really impact defenseman, even though you know watching them night to night, it really feels like that's what they need. Sometimes you can't fill the exact need that you have. You just can't. Like if another team, if that's not available to you, then what are you going to do? Well, is it not available because the team doesn't want to trade them or you're not willing to meet the price? Are two oh, different things. I mean, I don't... Well, don't you need to meet the price? I guess would be my counter. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I think with like a Klingberg or whatever, you got to really... It's interesting, you know, because they're, they, they're, 
they're a contender. They're in win now mode, but they also have to think about what next season looks like too a little bit, right? Like when you talk about these guys that have term or you talk about the rental D or you talk about potentially moving Muzzin, you talk about Sandine's going to get a new contract. He's probably going to make more than, mm-hmm. you know, potentially substantially more than he makes right now. Is Sandine going to be in your top four next year? There's a lot of moving parts here that you have to juggle at the, at simultaneously. That's why I would try to really get one of these guys with term. And obviously like th- some of those guys with term, like are not perfect fits. Like Larson and, and Severson make a ton of sense. They're also going to be expensive and there's a chance those teams don't want to trade him. Uh, let's take a break and let's get into the pod bag. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, James, pod bag time, a reminder to eat at your local restaurants. We got a very exciting dinner this week at a good spot called Raza, which is on College, I believe, uh, right around College in Spadina. Really good spot, James. Really good, like, if you want to have, like, a date night. You got any? uh, Yeah, do you have anything? We had a Dairy Queen ice cream cake for my son's birthday. That's what we had. That's what was exciting around my place. I saw you sent me a picture of it. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> How did they do that? <laughs> so my son's turning seven and he's really big into animals. That's like his, his favorite thing. And I, so I say to him like a couple weeks before his birthday, you know, what do you want on your cake? Uh, and he goes, I want a shark fighting a snake. <laughs> so, so I'm like, all right, I can, I'll see if I can do that. So I found a picture, sent it to Dairy Queen, say, can you make this? And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, you know, he didn't really get much of a birthday last year because of COVID and everything. And it was, I felt kind of bad for him. So we, we tried to go all out this year and uh, he had a, he had a Dairy Queen ice cream cake with a shark fighting a snake on it. It was pretty amazing. All right. Do you know where I want you to take your kids in the summer? There's a place called Bang Bang Ice Cream on Ossington. And they make these incredible ice cream sandwiches. Like they have like these freshly. It's going to take me like an hour to get over to Ossington. Yeah. Make it, make it, or find somewhere on like in your hood. That's just where Beaches, man. We go to the, we go to the, what's the, I think it's called like Beaches and Cream or something like that. Yeah. There's there's some good spots out there. Spot. We, that's, that's our go-to in the summer. You you sit on the boardwalk at the beaches and. There's also some really good bakeries uh, in the beaches that I have been known to frequent. Come on, Jonas. You got to move east. Come out, come move to the beaches. I love the west side. All right. Your turn. Take over. All right. Uh, Here's a good one. Alex wants to know what does an Andre Kasha contract extension look like? I was saying to you. Uh, I think like a couple weeks ago that I I think you maybe I said it to you maybe I didn't I think you probably got to be careful like I don't know what you do on his next contract 
He's going to have arbitration rights. So yeah. he's RFA. Uh, you 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 can't just like lowball him into the ground. Um, at least cap situation is really tight. Like if you pencil in, if you pen, you you got to pencil in the raise for for well, you got to maybe not pencil pen in the raise for Riley, and then you pencil in a raise for Campbell. That's going to be a, probably around five million, assuming his second half of the season is solid. Um, there's just not a lot of money. So with Kasha, you're just going to try and I think you're going to try and just do like a one-year contract for as low a number as you can get him to agree to. The The ace in the hole for the Leafs is that Kasha and David Kampf are, are best friends and have been since they were basically kids in the Czech Republic. And I think there's going to be a lot of pull for, for Kasha to want to stay. That is not like an understatement. They, after practice, they just spend so much time together just like shooting and working on stuff like they are like attached at the hip it's very want to like spoiler too much but you know i'm working on a story about about those guys and like it's it, they have like a very special relationship and it's been a big part of of kasha's comeback from everything he's been through so i i think that i think the Leafs might get fortunate here where kasha will take a one-year deal for probably i mean he's making one two five right now probably like a slight raise over what he makes now um would be my guess. And I don't know that he's going to go all hardball on, on the contract, but uh, well, I guess we'll the see. thing to keep in mind, James is like, he's one year from UFA, right? Yep. So, yep. But I, the Leafs don't really like, they don't have the money to, he's a guy that's good enough to be a top six forward that produces offense. The question is how healthy is he going to be? And, yeah. But I think that for him, just the way the Leafs have treated him with the medical situation and just, you know, I, I think the organization's been really, really good. The organization really likes him too. That's one thing that that has been obvious when I've been talking to people around the team is that there, there, there's a really good fit there, and I think he's going to sign a one year deal. I don't know what it. I don't. What do you think, John? Is like one point eight million or something like that for one year or something like that? That feels right. Something like that. That's kind of what I was thinking they might land, but you know, even that little bit of cap space that's a raise is like it's hard for the least to fit in. I guess like he will have decent enough stats for arbitration right like he could end up with like 15 16 goals something like that 30 points i think in arbitration he could get like high twos or something on a contract so you know if they go that route you know i, I that's probably one with the leafs so they're going to want to get it done before it, it goes too far into the summer yeah all right what's the next one uh i don't know if you want to answer this one or not well, I'll just throw it out you. Uh, Matthew says he's thinking about Mike Babcock and not getting hired in any of the, the coaching vacancies. Uh, do you think his treatment of players, uh, the way what happened with Dubas as the GM has led to other teams not wanting to bring him on board? I heard that Washington was really close with Babcock to bringing him in as their coach. So I think that at some point he's going to he's gonna get hired somewhere. I would you know, I, yeah, I would. I, I agree. I would suspect it's more or as much about where he wants to go. Like he's not going to want to go to some team that has no chance of winning. He's only going to want to go I don't have this locked down because my like capital sources aren't the best in the world, but I think that Babcock's ask was like really high and like pretty aggressive. And, but I I think that the Washington thing got really far along with Babcock. Well, that's, that makes sense, right? That's a team that could conceivably win the cup, right? Like that's right there. So there's going to be some team that looks to make a coaching change that wants like a wants to do something dramatic and is going to bring him in. And, you know, he's taken kind of this year sabbatical in Saskatchewan. And, you know, I think the idea was that he wasn't going to, he's coaching with his son and 
the idea was that he was going to try and come back for next year. So, I mean, who knows what the vacancies are going to be for next year in the on coaching staff. Yeah, it feels like so much will depend on the playoffs too, right? I mean, like it seems like the Flyers will probably have an opening. Yeah, right? that doesn't feel like a fit for him. Like they're not close to anything. But it's one of those teams with lots of money that likes to do dramatic things, right? Yeah. I just wonder if the choice for him is Philadelphia or nothing. I mean, he, I'm assuming he'll take the take the job. Well, what's going to happen in Florida? I mean, Brunette's done a good job. Yeah. I think that I don't I think that one's still up in the air, but okay. if they continue to win the way they they are, then how do you not keep him? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. William says, I was watching some of the Canadian men's Olympic team game and Josh Hosang was the best player on the ice. What are the chances of Leafs signing him to an NHL contract for the remainder of the year? You want to take that one? Well, I mean, there's a reason why Richie's down with the Marlies, and it's not because the Leafs don't have the cap space or the roster spot. It's because they want to accumulate cap space up until the deadline. Uh, I think that if they end up not using that cap space, maybe they could sign him at the, you know, if they end up not being able to add a forward, which we didn't talk about a whole lot. I think we'll talk about it on another podcast. If they end up not adding a forward and they have the cap space, then maybe you sign Hosang and use him for the end of the year, right? I think that could make sense. Yes. I don't really see it. But I could be wrong. Well, he could just be your extra forward, right? Like, I don't really see it either, but it feels like it could be more of a next year thing. Yeah. I mean, any team could sign him right now. Like, Josh Cloak had a, a good story on him uh, not that long ago. Like, he can sign anywhere. It's, like, notable, sort of, that he hasn't signed anywhere, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you're a team like Arizona or something, like, why aren't you just adding a guy like that and just seeing what he can do? I don't know. <laughs> Well, if you're just some some team that's like bottomed out, why don't you just go give them a million dollars a year and like put them on your top line and like see if see what happens? Yeah, I felt the same thing like with like Richie, like his. Why not just trade for him, play him a lot, and then trade him again next year? But I don't know, Maybe. Jonas. That is a segue. Okay, Ian would like to know if Richie's going to get traded. What does the compensation looks like that goes with him in a hypothetical dump trade, assuming nothing's coming back to the Leafs? Well, I mentioned this in a, a Monday morning column um, as a possibility, and I just wonder, like, what would you what would you be willing to give up to sweeten it, like a fourth round pick or something like that? Is that well, enough? They're gonna. I don't know if that's enough for another team. Well, he makes the pro- part of the problem is he makes three point three million cash next year, which is like the structure of that contract is not working in the Leafs' favor right now. So Marlowe cost for one year a first, and he was six seven five. Jesus, he was six seven five, wasn't he? So what does Richie cost? And are you willing to do it? So let me just ask you that: like, are you willing to give up like something to get him off the books? Right, you are right. Uh- they're going to have to because for next season, they can't have that money there. Like, they, they're going to have no choice but to get rid of him for next year. Yeah. So. May as well do it now, then. With, whether, yeah, especially if there's, like, something you want to do at the trade deadline where you need that cap space, which there probably is. So, th- th- there's there's lots of, like, smoke around Richie getting traded. So, I assume that it's going to happen. Well, if you're, like, a shitty team, I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Like, it, and maybe they will. Like, maybe that's exactly what's going to happen. And then, I like, I really do think you could probably trade him again next year. Like, teams always overpay for guys like that, no? Yeah, so I guess you're thinking you get, like, I think it's going to have to be more than a fourth. Let's say it's a third round. Let's say it's a second round pick. You get a pick for taking him on yeah. for a year, and then you just pump him up and try and trade him somewhere. Yeah. There was a, one of the, the, I don't know why this makes me think of it, but the, one of the interesting points of the book Moneyball, which I know I've talked to you many times before, was like the A's used to like 
get these closers in and they would just like pump them up with saves and then they would trade them because they knew saves were kind of like overly valued in, in baseball. Uh, and I feel like you could do the same thing with Richie. Just play him on your first line, play him on your first power play, let him score a ton of goals or hope he scores a ton of goals and then trade him again. Anyway, that's enough. That's enough of that. One of the questions we've got here is someone wants to trade Dom for his Tesla. So I don't know. Trade deadlines got is affecting people's brains. I think they're trying to trade for people's cars. That's not how trade deadline works, people. Okay. Only the only the I don't think Jonas and I are going to be trading anything at any point soon. So you know, it's trade deadlines just for the NHL teams is not for you, folks. Okay. Uh, Curtis, th- here this one's a good one for you. Curtis wants to know: Does Michael Bunting deserve some serious consideration for the Calder Trophy? I don't know how I feel about this. Like he is technically by the NHL's rules a rookie, but like <laughs> by like the skin of his teeth, right? Like it's like the yeah. Like, I, I, I was thinking. I don't think. I was so. thinking, Jonas, should they change the rule and should they make it a younger age or should they change the criteria in some way? Um, I don't think he's like he should be based on the rules and like he's had an awesome season. He should be in the conversation. I don't think he's the rookie of the year anyway. Like I think Cider is. Is the rookie of the year for me? He's yeah, awesome. I think that's a good. I think that's a good choice. Yeah, like he's playing like over twenty minutes a game for Detroit. He's really good. Right shot, like you fuck. can see, you can see kind of like the embers of what Detroit's going to be in yes. like two or three years. You, you know, like they got the the pieces that are coming there, and got they got tons of cap space, some good young players. But they let me ask you, James, like should it matter how old you are for rookie of the year? Like why does that matter? Well, because the in the, in hockey you get these guys coming from the KHL when they're like Panarin, you know. So do you think there should be no age limit? Are you are you not familiar with the Sergei Makarov incident? That's like he was uh, Jersey. Is that right? Sergei Makarov played uh for Calgary. Oh, Calgary, okay. And I think he was almost 30 years old and uh he won the Calder over, I think it was like a 19-year-old Mike Medano who had a fantastic season and the, this like 29, 30-year-old Russian who had been like the one of the best players in the, in Russia for years and internationally got, got, got the Calder trophy. And that's when they changed the rule. But why does it matter how old you are? Like, is it because just because people, like you're more advanced, like physically emotionally all that stuff like it's well you know like the like peak performance and all that kind of i i think that the purpose of the award is to award a first year pro player who like makes an impact in the league so they didn't like the idea of older i I think that there should be some kind of a limit like you don't want like 30 year old players winning the calder well, they probably do you, do you. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. like. So I'm looking. Well, I at, think voters are going to punish Bunting for being 26. That's stupid. I'm looking, James, at all the the winners. Uh, the only outliers, like in terms of age, I can see rec- like the last 20 years. Panarin was 24. He had 77 points. Uh, Nabokov was 25. Uh, that's kind in of, goalies, though. It takes time to. How how old was Makarov? Do you have that? 31. Yeah, and the year was, the year after Belfour won it, and he was twenty five. I think goalies. Uh, I, that's why I don't think that they should lower it anymore from where it is now. Because I think goalies like are legit Calder candidates at twenty five. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't really care that much. 
so Curtis asked the bunting question. He's actually got a couple good questions. He also has one that's relevant to some news that we haven't talked about on the podcast with uh, Joe Wall's new contract. Oh, yeah. Did the Leafs did the Leafs view him as a guy who should step in next year? I think he's kind of like the number three next year. Yeah, I agree. You know, he's got a two year two way deal. I don't believe he requires waivers because of his age next year. So, you know, you look at him as the Marley starter next season. Someone gets hurt, he comes up and he plays. Um, but that contract was really the Leafs are gambling that he might become an initial goalie and Wool is is locking himself in for one way money. There's like no risk for them, like at all. No. But, uh, you know, if you're like a more of a budget team and that, that money matters to you, then you're not going to sign a contract like that. No. Right. Yeah. For both sides, it makes it, sense, it, right? Like if in 2020. It was, it was a smart, smart piece of work. Yeah. Yeah. If in 2023, yeah. 2024, he's your backup, like, great. And if he's not, he'll actually. Fine. He'll be making less than league minimum, Jonas, because. Yeah. He'll be like 10 grand less than league minimum just because of the way the contract's structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curtis asked like a whole bunch of good questions. He also asked, and we, and we didn't talk about this, but I don't know what you want to say about this. Been a lot of reporting. The Leafs may look to add uh, D depth rather than a big splash. Do, do they make a big splash up front instead? I think that that's going to have to be its own podcast like next week or the week after. Yeah. And I, I, I just wonder about that. Like, isn't it smart to kind of get that message out there? Uh, we're running up on time here, but uh, Blake wants to know, does, does Jack Campbell's contract range change given his recent struggles well maybe it comes down a little bit eh? well this is why i mean i wrote early in this the is year why, about you wait, why right? do you wait just to make sure like i actually feel like there should if i was in a front office i would i might have like a general rule that we're not going to sign guys like middle of the season unless they're like matthews you know what I mean? Just because like, I, I feel like you get wrapped up in the emotion of the present. And you're like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. Sign him. And then like, naturally he slows down and you're like, oh boy, this is why you wait. One last one here for you, Jonas. Okay. Tim B would like to know, watching the Calgary game last week looked like an indicator of the physical play we'll see in the first round. Montreal took lots of liberties with their stars last year in the playoffs, which seemed to take a toll on the offense. Is this a concern for you going into the playoffs? No, is it a concern for you? I don't think so. I, I think they need the the team that they've got now to play physically and and engage and win those battles. And otherwise, they got no chance of of performing well in the playoffs. Well, so, and I think like their star guys are more like Neilander is is ready, is more, ready to battle. Yeah, like you you see it with him. Like he he always hasn't played great the last little bit, but like. Even in last year's playoffs, you saw him more willing to do that kind of stuff, to dig in and win those puck battles. Marner obviously does that. Matthews is, like, unbelievable at that. Um, yeah, I, I think they're built to win like that. We'll see. I don't know. Like, if you play those first five games against Montreal, or if those that seven-game series against Montreal t- 100 times, they probably win, what, like, 95 of them? Do you think that's aggressive? Or yeah. The only thing is, is that if you look back at like what happened, like they did not, they did not play well in, in some of those games. Like they deserved to lose some of the key games in that series. Like it wasn't like they True. just carry price or, or something like that. I guess I'm looking at those first five games of the series where the Matthews line was actually like dominating, just not scoring. So like if you do that all, but I guess it's the closing out of the series. If you, come, yeah. if you go to game seven and you play you get outplayed by a team like Montreal. Yes. And you don't, you don't deserve to win the series. No, like that's just not. how it is. It doesn't matter how dominant you were in the games that you won. Agreed. Agreed. All right. 
That was fun. So we have to do another one on the, the forward stuff that we'll get into. You and I are going to write about that anyway. This is a long podcast, Jonas. Stretched it out. Poor Punch has to edit all this. He's the best. Um, as you know. I was thinking we should have like we should have a segment where Punch comes on and asks us a question as part of the pod bag. We can call it Punch You in the Face. Huh? <laughs> That's pretty You good. might want to work you gotta workshop, workshop that one that a little one? bit. All right. Uh, we'll go to theathletic.com slash safe report if you haven't signed up for the athletic. Obviously, tons going on now and tons will be going on over the next five, six weeks with the trade deadline and then the playoffs. Like there's just it's nonstop. There's NFL stuff, NBA. The NBA is like unbelievable right now trade deadlines coming up there actually no trade deadline just passed there all-star break is coming up there is what i meant to say that's it james i have nothing else to say all right jonas thanks for listening everybody thank you goodbye james